Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, we're talking with James Templeton. He is a 30-year cancer survivor who healed himself from a terminal diagnosis with the use of alternative medicine and healing modalities. James, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure being with you, Rebecca. Um, so, you know, your book is called I Used to Have Cancer, How I Found My Own Way Back to Health. And, and what made you want to put this story together? Well, I wanted to put the story together because uh, I just started seeing a lot of my friends, my family, my colleagues, you know, getting cancer and many of them dying of cancer. And I had a 30-year story of surviving stage 4 cancer, and I thought, well, you know, it's time for me to do something to get this message out there. Maybe people will believe me because it's been so long, and I've survived all these years, and 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 relatively really good health, and I just wanted to get it out there, get that story out there to really inspire people and give people hope and give them the the uh, idea that if I can do it, then why can't they do it also? Well, it, you know, and I, I think that's a, a really good story. The cancer is becoming a more prevalent diagnosis and a, a very fearful one for a lot of people. Um, it, what was your life be, like before you were diagnosed with cancer? Well, I had a really good life. I'm a Texan, a fifth-generation Texan, and I was living in Texas back then, and I had a very successful uh, number of businesses. I was uh, only 32 years old, and I was married, and I had a little daughter, and everything seemed to be going really well for me. I guess you could say I had life by the tail, and uh, I just thought that uh, it couldn't get much better. And I even was in really good physical fitness shape. I ran every day, and I ran up to 60 miles a week, uh, many weeks. And I worked out in the gym, and I worked out probably three or four days a week in the gym. And, you know, I just was really into staying healthy. I didn't really watch my diet that well. I was a guy that thought that if you ran and you exercise, that's all you needed to do because I read a book by a guy back then that wrote that was uh, by the name of Jim Fix. And Jim Fix was a guy, he was kind of a runner, the runner's guru back then and a physical fitness expert. He wrote a book on the complete book of running, and his father, just like my father and grandfather, died early of heart disease. So that's why I got into it, because I had so much of this death in my family from heart disease that I thought that that if I was going to stave off the heart disease myself, because I didn't want to die at a young age, and uh, maybe Jim Fix was on to something. So I started doing everything Jim Fix said to do and thought that I could just do anything I want as long as I exercised. Well, one day I went to the office, and I discovered 
that Jim Fix died while running because I was reading the newspaper and it says running guru Jim Fix dies while jogging and found on the side of the road. And when I heard that, I almost fell out of my chair because I thought, oh, man, you know, this guy is the guy I've been thinking had all the answers, and now, you know, maybe I should start thinking twice about what I'm doing here. So I decided that I would go see an expert, and I would go see someone that did these cardio stress tests uh, to where they get you on a treadmill and they get your heart rate up really high and see how quick you can recover and all that. So I went to a guy that did these tests in town. I was living in a small town north of Houston, Texas, and uh, I went in to see this doctor, and the doctor says to me, he says, well, let's get you on the treadmill, and he got me on the treadmill, and he says, you know, James, he says, you broke the record in my office. No one's ever done this well. You're in tremendous shape. He says, I don't know what all you're doing, but keep up the good work. He says, you seem to be the picture of health. He says, you seem like the kind of guy that's going to live a long time as long as you do keep doing what you're doing. He said, your heart is in tremendous shape because he did a very thorough checkup on, on all phases of my health. But on the way out of the office, he says, you know, there's only one thing I could find. He says, only one thing. He says, there's a mole on your back, and it doesn't look exactly the way it should to me. It's a little suspicious, a little different looking. He said it's probably nothing, you know, but why don't you, when you get a chance, go see a dermatologist because, uh, you know, it probably be probably won't be anything, of course. So I didn't think much about it, and a few weeks later I decided to go to the dermatologist. Hadn't even really thought of it. And I go into the dermatologist, and he says, what seems to be the problem? And I said, well... I had a stress test, and the doctor thought that I should have this mole checked out. He says, well, let's see what it is. He said, take off your shirt. So I did, and he looks at it, and he got very, very quiet for a minute, and he got very excited almost in his voice. He told me, he says, I think you have melanoma. And he just, I mean, melanoma, just that word, you know, like about, again, threw me out of my chair and I just was didn't know what to do, and he starts going on about how this melanoma could basically do me in, and he said that he thought it was going to be melanoma for sure, just from what he could see, and he wanted to go on about how the surgery and everything that he thought we might have to do and all that. Well, I didn't like his bedside manner because he almost acted like he'd won the lottery or something, and I don't know, it was really strange energy, but... I told him I'd get back to him, and I left, and I went home, and my wife suggested that I should get a uh, second opinion. So I thought, well, that would be a good idea. And, and, of course, I was very stressed out now. You know, here's this guy <laughs> that thought he had everything going for him, and now he's, he's scared to death because of what this guy said to him. And, but long story short, I ended up going to another dermatologist that, that referred me over to an oncologist, which was supposedly one of his friends that was world-renowned, and this was down in Houston, Texas. And uh, I went in to see the guy, and he says, well, it looks suspicious to me also, but he says, there's only one way we're going to know. Let's go in and take it out and see what it is. So he did, and he took a big two-inch, probably square plug out of my back, 
And he says to me, he says, you know, I'll send it into the lab. There's not anything you can do right now. Go on home. Don't worry. I'll get back to you in a few days. Well, all I did was worry, of course. I went home, and I was walking on pins and needles. I didn't sleep very well. I think that's the worst part of of any of this cancer thing is not knowing what it is or if it is cancer sometimes. And it it was just uh, nerve-wracking to me. But it was almost two weeks before he calls me back. And I was, you know, after that long of, of having to, you know, sleep on this thing and try to sleep on this thing, on this idea, he calls and he says to me, he says, I got some good news and I got some bad news. And it was one of those kind of calls. And he says to me, the good news is it's melanoma. And I thought, melanoma? Is that good news? He says, wait a minute, before you start talking too much about this, he says, it's very, very, uh, you know, likely that we got everything around this incision that we did. He says, there's no signs of the melanoma around this incision. And he says, that's good news. But he says the bad news, it's very deep, and it's deep into the tissue. And he says on a scale called the Clark scale of measurement, he says it is a stage four melanoma. And he said stage four is the worst stage, and we've got to be very, very, very careful with this and really keep an eye on this because it's more likely to spread to other parts of the body than, than a stage one or two, and we've really got to keep an eye on this thing. And he says, I want you to come in every three months, and we'll just check you out and thoroughly and try to keep ahead of this thing. Well, after that, he says, don't worry. Just go back to your regular life. He says, uh, don't, don't, don't uh, get too worried about it. And, I mean, when he said that, I mean, I'm just, I mean, how can you go back to your regular life? So, I was not a nice guy to be around after this. I was very, very upset, very stressed out, very depressed, all that kind of thing. And I didn't even want to go to work. And I was a very ambitious guy that that had several of these successful businesses. And I thrived on that. And I thrived on, you know, just being ambitious. And after that, I just didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to go anywhere, do anything. And and uh, it wasn't it wasn't pleasant to be around me at all. And uh, after about six months of going back to the doctor, everything seemed to be checking out okay, though. And you know, I got to thinking, well, maybe I'll never see this thing again. You know, maybe it'll go away. Maybe it, he got it all. But uh, before I knew it, I got another. Uh, lump in my growing there. I had a lump in my growing when I was taking a shower and I was there and I felt it and I was, you know, very, very nervous when I felt it. And I called the doctor up and he says, well, come on in, let's look at it and see what it is. So I went in and then he says to me, he says, well, it's probably nothing. Let's send you back home. And next time you come in, we'll take a check. We'll make sure it still looks okay. But I think it's probably nothing Maybe you bumped into something or, you know, or something in your, you know, lymph node is swollen up a little bit. and So, you know, I didn't know what else to do, so I go home, and, you know, I still was worried about it because it seemed to me it was getting a little bit bigger. And before I knew it, 
uh, my wife had had enough of my attitude and everything, and so she moved into town and took my little girl and uh, left me, basically. And, uh, you know, that really, after that, it just really did me in. But this lump was coming, getting bigger and bigger. So I went back to the doctor, and I told him, and he says, well, I think we need to go in and see exactly what it was. So here, here I was back at the doctor, and he says, let's put you in the hospital. Well, at that point, I was so miserable because of what was going on. My wife left me. I don't even know if I really wanted to live or not. I was just kind of going through that, 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 that feeling of funk, you know, just this depressed and, mm-hmm. and just not care, really. But I went in, and the doctor says, we'll just do a little incision most likely and see what it is. Well, when I woke up, I knew I was in trouble because uh, it wasn't a little incision. It was a large bandage in my, on my right growing area, and I knew that wasn't good. And uh, about, about the time I woke up good, here comes the doctor. And the doctor comes in, and he says to me, he says, well, I've got some bad news, James. He says the cancer has spread. It's in your lymphatic system now, and he says... That's not what we wanted to see. He says, you know, I'm sorry to tell you that we're going to have to do some real aggressive treatments here. Uh, I think you need to do experimental uh, treatments, which are uh, we're going to elevate your temperature, and then we're going to induce 80 chemotherapy treatments each time. And he wanted me to do this experimental chemotherapy, and then he also wanted me to do a a lymph drainage pump every day for several hours on my growing area, I mean, on my lymph, on that leg, because I didn't have any lymph nodes there anymore. So he says, if we didn't do that, I could lose my leg from lymphedema. Well, I didn't want that. So now I'm, I'm this guy that, that uh, is really going through it, got to be in the hospital to recover for a couple of weeks, and then do this chemotherapy which we would do five treatments each uh, time, and then I'd have to come back two months and do another five treatments because it was, uh, you know, a 10-hour treatment in the hospital, these, these uh, experimental treatments. Well, the doctor also went on to tell me that I only had about a 20% chance of survival if I could get through these treatments, and that was uh, three to, for three to five years, surviving for three to five years if I could get through these treatments. And uh, it just wasn't a good diagnosis for me. Here I was, 32 years old, and, and feeling, you know, like life was coming to an end for me, and three years didn't sound very good. And so I, I was very, very stressed out, of course. Didn't know what to do. I knew there had to be a better way for me. I knew I could, you know, just see myself if I didn't do something else you know, not being around that much longer. So I'm laying there in the hospital, and I got a call. And the call was from a minister at a church that I went to on a semi-regular basis. And he says to me, he says, James, he says, this is Ron. His name was Ron. And he says, you know, I've been praying for you, and many people in town have been praying for you. And he says, I know you very well, and I know you're a tough guy. And I know you know how to push yourself because of all the running and the exercise. And he says, I want you to know that you cannot give in to this cancer. If anybody can beat it, you can. 
I want you to fight like hell. I want you to beat this cancer. And he went on to tell me, he says, you know, um, you, you beat this SOB in cancer, exactly what he said. And, you know, he said it the other way. And it got my attention. It really made me think about this. And I got very, very uh, into deep thought over this phone call. And I started to pray. And I started to pray like I'd never prayed before. I wasn't a real religious guy that prayed a lot, but I started to pray now. And I prayed harder than I've ever prayed in my life, probably ten times harder. And, and I asked God to help me. And I said, I'm in desperate need of help. And, and you know, I'm asking you many times more for for answers than I've ever asked you before. And and I just felt like every cell in my body was praying. It was a weird kind of a feeling I had, almost an out-of-a-body experience. And I never felt that before. And I, I guess it was just totally out of desperation. But, you know, when I stopped praying, I bet it was only about 20 minutes later that I got a knock on the hospital door. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you off right there, James. We're gonna talk about those knocks on your door. We're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll we'll finish up the story. Okay. Um, we're talking today with James Templeton, and we're talking about his book, "I Used to Have Cancer." We'll be back shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. As you know, my co-host, Oliver, is a seven-pound chihuahua cross, and he sits through all my shows with great puppy patience. He was super happy when I came home with Carbona Pet Stain and Odor Remover, which is an oxy-powered formula with active foam technology and is engineered to permanently remove pet stains and odor. 
Carbona is a household brand that has turned their decades of cleaning expertise into products that get the job done fully, quickly, and easily. Although he tries his best, Oliver sometimes does have accidents. I pulled out the Carbona pet cleaner, and voila, we were stain-free and clean. It was easy to use, pet-safe, and hassle-free. The built-in two-in-one brush top tackles stains and at the surface and deep in the carpet fibers. It is now my other best friend. Use code FTTC at Carbona.com to save 20%. Happy cleaning. So, James, what were these three knocks at your door? Well, as I said, I had a long, heartfelt prayer, and after that prayer, I got a knock on the door. And it was a friend of mine that came through that door, and he had a bunch of papers in his hand. And I hadn't seen my friend in over seven years. He was an old college buddy that walks through the door, and he's waving these papers around, and he says, I heard you were in the hospital, and I heard that you you were going through this cancer thing. And he says, I just felt that I needed to come see you. A friend of a friend of mine at the office gave me this book review that I have in my hand, and it's about a guy that cured himself of cancer using a diet and lifestyle. Well, you know, he said he had been driving around. He didn't know if it was the right thing for him to do, but he was near the hospital, and he just felt this kind of thing, like when you think about somebody and they call you on the phone, and uh, someone you hadn't seen in a while, and they call you on the phone. Well, it was kind of like that. And he just felt like, hey, now's the time to go see him. And he drove in to the hospital and came in to see me and uh, hoping he was doing the right thing. But he wanted to share with me this article about this guy. And I knew right then when he told me it was about a guy that cured himself, I didn't know anything about it yet, but I knew that this was from the higher place and this was the, the thing that I was going to do. And I told him right then, I'm going to do this. And he goes, wait a minute, you don't even know anything about it yet. I said, I'm going to find out about it because I'm going to look at it. But I know I'm supposed to do what this other guy did. And uh, I went on to look at it, and I found out it was about a guy by the name of Dirk Benedict that was well-known. He'd been on TV back in the 80s on a well-known TV show uh, that was called The A-Team and he was this guy on there that was, there was three guys, but anyway, he was one of the guys. And he had gotten uh, prostate cancer at a very young age. And he decided that he was going to heal himself and he was not going to have any part of the medical thing. So he went out and he got involved with this diet called the macrobiotic diet. Well, I'd never heard of macrobiotics and where I come from, you know, you go to the doctor when you get sick. And I just never had heard of anything like this. But I knew that if it would work for him, why wouldn't it work for me? So I got very excited, and uh, I had my friend go out and get the book. And he actually got the book for me, and he brought it back, and I started to read it. And here I was, all drugged up on morphine and everything from this surgery, and, uh, but I couldn't put the book down. I started to feel excited inside. I started to feel like a different person. All this, this, uh, depression and, and this, this disbelief was starting to kick in. I started to feel like I had to hope again. So here I am excited now. And the next day, I got another knock on the hospital door. And it was my stepmother. And she comes through the door and she had a book in her hand. 
and she said a friend of ours uh, sent her this book and uh, just felt like it might help me. And it just came out of the blue, and it was a book on vitamin C and cancer. And it was uh, talked about uh, how people with late-stage cancer, many of them were terminal. When they took high-dose vitamin C, they survived for much longer, and some of them survived for long-term. And I felt like, hey, if this will work for them, why won't it work for me? The book was written by Linus Pauling. And uh, he was a pioneer back in the day, and he was a, a biochemist that was, uh, had won many awards, you know, with his research on vitamin C. Well, I got very excited because here I had this new diet that I was going to follow, and here I was going to also follow the vitamin C thing. Well, I felt like if it'll help these people, then why won't it help me too? So I'll do the vitamin C, the diet, and I'll do the chemotherapy because if a little's good, a lot's better. That's how I was. And uh, now I felt like, hey, I've got a chance here. I've got a fighting chance to, to beat this cancer. So the next day, I'm laying there in the hospital bed, and I'm, I'm feeling excited, feeling hopeful, and all of a sudden, I get another knock on the door. And uh, here comes a fellow through the door, and he happened to be the psychotherapist from the hospital, from the cancer ward. And he comes through the door and he says, you know, I heard you were depressed. I heard that you're having a rough time with this thing. Uh, can I come and talk to you? And I said, sure, uh, but I want to ask you a question. Have you ever heard of something called the macrobiotic diet? And he says, hold on a minute. And he just goes to the door. I thought he was leaving, but he wasn't. He goes to the door. He shuts the door tight. And he comes back and he sits down by my bed and he says in a low voice, he says, yes, I have heard of it, but he says, I'm not going to tell you what I know until you promise to not share our, uh, our uh, conversation with anyone because I don't want to lose my job or my pension or any of that. I've been here for 20-something years and he said, they'll sure get rid of me in a minute if they know we're talking about this. And I knew I was on to something now if he's going to share all this in secrecy. So he went on to tell me, hey, he says, this is a great diet for people with cancer. He says, I've heard a lot of great things about it. He says, I've heard a lot of people that have known of a lot of people that have gotten well using this diet. He said, I even used it myself, but it's a lot of work, and I couldn't stick with it. And he said, I didn't have cancer. I just thought it was a healthy diet for me. He says it takes a lot of work and determination, and you can't do it halfway. You've got to do it all outright or, or, or don't do it. He says uh, there's, it's very important. The thing you have to know is there's a right way and a wrong way, and you have to do it the right way. He stressed that several times, and he told me he thought that I could do very well with it because, by the way, I didn't seem depressed after all, and he didn't understand that why exactly other than uh, that, that the diet must have been the reason. And uh, he also told me about two other books to go out and get, and I had people go get those books, too, that were about a doctor that healed himself with the di macrobiotic diet. So here I had all this ammunition, and I was very, very excited now, and I felt like a different person, totally different person. And, uh, but long story short, I ended up doing the chemotherapy, and it was terrible stuff, and 
it it was you know the worst thing I've ever done. It was really bad stuff because I felt like a jumping beam. I was freezing to death with the temperature, and uh, they had weighted blankets on me, and I felt like I had the worst case of flu I'd ever had in my life. But I ended up leaving the hospital, and I got started on the macrobiotic diet, and uh, I was just you know reading everything I could about it, and I got to to uh, feeling a little bit better and everything pretty quick after I started following this. And uh, before I knew it, it was time to go back and get chemo. So I went back to the hospital, checked in for a week to get the other five chemotherapy treatments. Well, I got through those treatments uh, almost, but what happened is I got really, really sick this time. I think they must have tripled uh, the 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 potency of it because I just felt awful. I mean, I couldn't keep anything in my stomach. I was throwing up. It was terrible. And I was losing weight like crazy and I couldn't sleep. And I was just, you know, they had to put me on, on morphine just to keep me, to knock me out. So here I am just miserable. And I knew this wasn't good for me. And the doctor comes in my room and he says to me, James, he says, you know, I'm sorry to tell you, but your body's not responding to this chemotherapy very well. He says, you, you're getting sick because your body just can't handle it. And he says, uh, I don't know what else to do. And I said, well, what, what would you do if it was your son or daughter? He said, I'd do the same thing. He says, that's all I know to do. I said, and I said, well, what about a diet or vitamin C therapy, things like that? And he goes, oh, none of that stuff works like that. He just kind of shook his head and said, that's not going to work for you. And then I said, well, you know, this, this chemotherapy could kill me in here because every night somebody was dying and they were reeling, wheeling them out of the hospital and I would find out that they actually died from pneumonia and things like that and they were cancer people. And I know it's probably from the chemotherapy, but uh, I didn't want to be the next one. And I said to him, I said, I could die from this in here. And he says, well, you know, we're all going to die someday, just like that. And it made me so mad that, I mean, I just was furious. It just, something came over me, this, this anger. And I raised up in the bed, and I said to him, listen here, I said, I, if I could get out of this bed, I'd tear you apart. And, I mean, this guy ran out the door <laughs> like he'd seen a ghost. And I never saw that doctor again. Uh, his office called me two years later wanting to know if I was still alive because two nights later I snuck out of the hospital at 2 in the morning. You know, I, I didn't think that I wanted to stick around and find out what might happen to me. So that was the end of that. And I made up my mind that I was going to fight and I was going to go to war with this cancer like no one else ever has before. I was going to get on this macrobiotic diet just you know, just double up on it. I was going to get on the vitamin C. I was going to do everything I had to do to get well. And, uh, you know, it's been 33-plus years later. I'm still here, and we're talking today. Which is is pretty amazing, Um, you know, that still a lot of people don't survive cancer, and the treatment hasn't changed in those 33 years. They're doing chemotherapy and... And nothing's changed, and you would think with, you know, the technology that we have, at least something would change a little bit. Yes, I mean, there's one, almost one out of two of us is going to get cancer. I think they say one out of two men and one out of three women 
I think it's somewhere around 40% of everyone's going to have cancer in their lifetime. And, uh, you know, sometimes we get cancer. It's maybe stage one, early stage, which is a good thing. But, uh, you know, you really have to kind of, uh, you know, people have to wake up a little bit and start to uh, take care of themselves more. It really concerns me, and I guess that's another reason I wrote this book. Well, I, I definitely agree with you on that. It, it's becoming more prevalent, and, you know, in the conversations that I've had um, with people um, like Chris Work or people who treat cancer, you know, the solution is like what you discovered, um, you know, diet and, and lifestyle and, um, and dealing with what's going on inside your body and sort of, um, you know, a lot of people are opting out of the chemotherapy or doing the two together. Yes. There's so many things that people can do now because, you know, it's just, just changing your diet and just changing, you know, the, the way you look at life and the way your lifestyle is because, I mean, in this country, people are eating 180 pounds of sugar every year on the average, and sugar feeds cancer. And, and people, we all have cancer in our bodies, you know, from day to day, we all have cancer but our immune system is able to take care of it in most cases, or we'd all have cancer. But, uh, you know, if, if you over-toxic with chemicals, you know, such as pesticides and, and household chemicals that you have in your house that you're exposed to, because, you know, those are very toxic, and you've got even parasites, intestinal parasites, which I found out, and I talk about this in the book, and I talk about the importance of that and that things that I had discovered myself that had parasites, which are very immunosuppressive. And, you know, there's things that, uh, you know, bad water. People are drinking bad water and they're not filtering their water and they're, they're drinking these, you know, these plastic bottled water all the time and they're not really thinking twice about it. And, and they're exposed to so many different things and we're all under a lot of stress. I mean, stress is a real problem, you know, because a lot of times people end up coming down with cancer because they've been through a lot of stress in their life, some kind of trauma. So that can really floor your immunity and create a real problem, and now your immune system can't deal with this daily cancer that that it has to deal with, and the cancer starts to get a hold, and, and it starts to, you know, get out of control, and that's what happens with so many of these people. And people have dental issues. You know, they're not uh, taking care of their, their teeth properly. The teeth are one of the most toxic areas in the body. So there's, you know, the issues that we've all heard of, of, of mercury amalgams, and, and even root canals have been, have been found to, to uh, create a strong cancer risk. So it's very important that people become more aware and start to think about this because I mean, the cancer almost wrecked my life. You know, thank God I'm here today to be talking about it. And I've, it's been a good thing. It was a good thing that happened to me overall because I became uh, a little more conscious and I started to do things in my life to help others. And, and it's a good feeling to be able to do that. Most people are just eating terrible foods and they're just, you know, too much fat and probably too much red meat, and it's, you know, dairy, too much dairy. This is very hard on the system. It's very, very hard on the enzyme production in the body 
because enzymes are one of the key factors, you know, in, in uh, fighting off cancer on a regular basis because cancer cells, if they sit in your system for very long, uh, they start to develop a, a, almost like a mucosal membrane. It's a fibrinogen membrane that is, looks very much like the, the mucosal lining in the body. So they develop this, this little membrane and protects them. It protects them from our immunity, our immune system. And so it's very important that enzymes in the body help strip that membrane back. So I think that most people that have a uh, cancer issue usually have a very low enzyme bank in their pancreas. So it's very important. Enzymes are important to take along with food so that you can assimilate your foods more properly and also between meals. You know, and that's something people have to kind of study up on because everyone's individually different. But the enzymes are very important. I found that to work very well. The vitamin C, you know, nowadays there's a lot of people doing uh, IV vitamin C. And vitamin C, I think, probably more than anything saved my life, that and the diet, because I took huge amounts of vitamin C on a regular basis. And to this day, I still take a lot of vitamin C, because vitamin C is, is, is extremely, uh, you know, toxic to the cancer. And, uh, you know, there's uh, some studies out there that have shown that uh, vitamin C builds up the collagen in your tissues, the connective tissue. And cancer is a collagen disease based on a study done by none other than Linus Pauling and Matthias Rath, Dr. Matthias Rath, it was a 15-year study that showed that a, a, uh, there was a nutrient uh, matrix of different supplements that they used for 15 years with people that had uh, different kinds of cancers, most of the main ones that you hear about. And they used this, this matrix, you know, along with it was vitamin C, it was lysine, and vitamin C and lysine, uh, the body does not manufacture so they discovered that vitamin C, lysine, proline, the amino acid, and the green tea extract, EGCG, they used this in a study and for 15 years, and they found that in most cases, it was 90 to 100% of these people, uh, the, in 90%, of, 90 to 100% of these people, the cancer was stopped in its tracks because it could not uh, metastasize. It could not work its way through through this connective tissue, you know, or the collagen. So if the cancer Just, can't um, spread... Yeah, that, that's pretty amazing. Um, we're going to have to take a quick break. Um, we're going to be back shortly. We're talking with James Templeton, and his book is called I Used to Have Cancer. We'll be back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. We're on the pulse of the world with great shows and hosts. The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel is also on Twitter. We've got ideas to keep you healthy, breaking health news, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Voice AM Health. That's at Voice AM Health. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with James Templeton, and his book is I Used to Have Cancer. James, in your journey, what do you think is the most important thing that you did? Well, in my journey, the most important thing that I did was to discover that diet, lifestyle, nutrition, uh, you know, and, and supplementation, you know, could could stave off the cancer and, and help me to survive all these years. And, and you know, I, at the time when I got into this, I didn't know a hill of beans about any of this. And, um, you know, I just ate a regular American diet and thought that that was you know, what you do. But once I discovered how powerful a diet can be, how detoxifying and how, uh, you know, nutritious it can be, you know, and anti-cancer it can be because... I think that if people ate a really healthy anti-cancer diet, they'd probably never get cancer in the first place. And, uh, yes, we're exposed to a lot of things, you know, like we talked about, but uh, you have to be able to, to detoxify this, and that's through diet. And you need a diet that is very high in cruciferous vegetables, and that's what the macrobiotic diet was. Now, I don't follow the macrobiotic diet the way I used to, but that was the, the diet that healed me. Sometimes you don't stay on the same diet forever. But there's a lot of non-negotiable things out there that's so important with diet is concerned. And I feel very strongly that you have to have a diet that's high in the cruciferous vegetables like the broccoli, the, the Brussels sprouts, the collard greens, kale, uh, rutabagas, turnips, watercress, cabbage, cauliflower, all these vegetables on a regular basis in your diet. And I believe also you need to have fermented foods in your diet because that or prebiotic foods, which a lot of the vegetables are, but in the macrobiotic diet, I ate a lot of whole grains. And, of course, you've got to eat organic. You don't, eat, you don't cut corners and eat non-organic vegetables. You need to eat organic hopefully locally sourced foods, but, you know, the, the, uh, 
the fermented foods are so important, and I really believe in like miso soup. I believe in, in natural sauerkraut, uh, things like that, because you need to build up your, your good bacteria in your system. And, you know, the stomach, I mean, the digestive tract is so important, and, and your gut flora is so important. And, you know, your, your gut health is probably 80% of your immunity. So it's very, very important to have a strong immune system, as we talked about, because of the cancer that we all have to deal with. And it's very important that we understand that 80% of this is uh, in, our, in our gut health. And I believe in, you know, healthy nuts and seeds like almonds and macadamia nuts and walnuts. These are also very important and have anti-cancer properties. Pumpkin seeds, sesame seeds. You know, it's no wonder the macrobiotic diet worked for me because you start to see that all these, these vegetables and these uh, foods are in that diet. And, uh, you know, the, the grains are, that were in the diet are so important as far as prebiotic. There we go again, trying to build up the, the gut uh, health. But that's so important, and it also acts like a broom. It goes through your body, starts to detoxify your, your whole system on a regular basis, and that starts to get rid of all those heavy metals and all the toxicity that we've talked about that we get. So it's very important, and also the healthy oils. Oils like, you know, olive oil, uh, sesame oil, macadamia nut oil. Macadamia nut oil is very important, and it also builds up your collagen Collagen is so important because cancer can't, can't work its way through the collagen. And I guess the other thing I discovered was, you know, the, the, the vitamin C, but also the lysine is so important because cancer has an enzyme called nagalase that, that is what it uses to metastasize, to work its way through the collagen again. So lipase, high amounts of lipase, and, you know, really help like 6,000 milligrams a day of lipase on a regular basis will help uh, kill off this nagalase, this enzyme in the cancer cell. So when that doesn't have the nagalase, it can't, can't do its job that it's supposed to be trying to do. So it's very, very important. And um, also proline, uh, the amino acid proline that I talked about, 6,000 milligrams of that a day has been shown to really help and the EGCG, 3,000 milligrams a day. And I believe that everyone should be taking a multiple, a really good multiple vitamin along with a healthy diet. And uh, you've got to have enough protein also. So I believe that when you have cancer, you know, beans are good, like lentils, aduki, chickpeas. Those smaller beans are very good at the beginning. And, you know, as you get well and you start to do better, then you can start to put back some, some animal protein like turkey and, and white meat fish and chicken and, and uh, organic, of course, and, and free-range red meat even. So it's important, and by all means, get the sugar out because the more sugar you get out of your diet, the more success you're going to have and the less cancer you're going to have because cancer, again, thrives on sugar. And if we starve it away from the, from the body, keep the sugar down, keep the yeast, the fungus, the, the candida out, and, uh, you know, stop drinking alcohol and all that, especially if you have cancer, 
that you're going to go a long ways. You know, there's so much, and all this is in my book, everything that I did back then and everything I would do if I had to do it over again. Uh, which is perfect. And then since then, you have um, you have a foundation. Can you tell us what that does? Well, I started a foundation uh, about a year and a half ago. I had a really good friend, and his wife had pancreatic cancer. And I went to talk with her and tried to convince her to, to do something else, and I tried to steer her in a in, in certain direction that I thought could really help her. You know, there's, there's people that specialize in, in different things, and there was a particular doctor that specialized in pancreatic cancer and has had tremendous, tremendous results with people. And I even know some of these people that have survived for, you know, 10, 12, 15 years or more and still surviving on, on uh, you know, just by changing their diet and using this, this doctor's system. So I wanted her to do, do this, but she just was very conventionally oriented, and I just felt so bad about it. And then I started to have other friends and families, I said earlier, you know, get cancer, and, and basically a lot of them died because they went through the, the conventional treatments. And I tried to get them to, to look at my example, but it's hard sometimes to change people's ideas. But uh, I wanted to do something, so I started to think about what I could do. So I started this foundation, Templeton Wellness Foundation. And Templeton Wellness is about giving back hope to people. That's all it is. Uh, all the book uh, proceeds from my book, I used to have cancer, uh, go to the the proceeds go to the Templeton Wellness Foundation, and the Templeton Wellness Foundation. I interview people that have had late stage cancer, people that were written off, that were told to get their affairs in order. Most in most cases, and these people have survived ten, twenty, thirty years. So I let them tell their story, what they did, because this will give people hope. If it'll work for them. It'll work for me, then then there's a good chance it'll work for them too. So there's a lot of things in there that they can can uh, uh, gather up hope with, and that's my main main motivation. And I also have a restaurant guide, and I list all the the top healthiest restaurants in the United States. Now I know you're in Canada. But there's probably a lot of people listening to this from the U.S. But uh, maybe eventually we'll get into Canada. But the healthiest restaurant, so I have a restaurant guide also that the foundation uh, promotes. So there's a lot of good things that we're working on. Well, you know, as Canadians, we still don't mind having a restaurant guide because generally when people are, are eating out, it's when they're traveling and they want to continue the, the, their healthy trend while they're yes. traveling and not have to worry about it. So it's really great that you have done that for everybody. Yes, I, you know, because when you have something that you're dealing with in health and you want to stay healthy, it's hard to travel because most places you go to, most establishments are really not worth eating at. And if you have cancer, you probably want to eat at home as much as possible anyway in the first place. But... There's times when we all want to travel or we have to travel for business or whatever, and we don't want to give up our you know, whole life. So I decided you know, to, to put this together because I've gone through the same thing all these years. I try to eat healthy, 
try to you know set an example for others to follow. And so that's what we're doing, and I just uh, thought of some things that, that I wish were out there, and there's nothing like this out there. Well, that's great. Now, if somebody wants um, more information, how can they get a hold of you or your book? You can uh, get a hold of me at templetonwellness.com, uh, james at templetonwellness.com. Uh, they can get the book at iusedtohavecancer.com. They can get it at Amazon. They can get it at uh, you know Barnes and Noble. All these, all the different booksellers. But if you go to iusedtohavecancer.com, you're going to be able to get three free downloads. And and one of the downloads is of the top five supplements that I think are so important. And the other one is ten recipes of of uh, diet recipes that I follow on a regular basis. And also, uh, it's, there's going to be a schedule of the things that I do on a regular basis to stay healthy, kind of the, my, um, my daily schedule. And uh, I think that people will find that very interesting. And so this is absolutely free. It just gives you more information and the book has, and the I used to have cancer.com has links to the other booksellers. Well, that's perfect. Now, James, thank you so much um, for sharing this information and, and trying to help other people the way that you helped yourself. I think it makes it easier so that people don't have to, you know, it's not as difficult when, when they're in the situation that you were in to figure out what, that they, what they need. So um, yes. that's great that you've done all this for everybody. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca. It's uh, been a pleasure to be with you, and thank you for everything you're doing also. Well, and and thanks so much for joining me. This was um, a great uh, episode. I loved your story. Thank you. And uh, if anybody wants more information about my story, went to Back to Health, you can find that on my website at dr-risk.com. Feel free to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and you can always send me an email at anantacalgary at gmail.com. I always appreciate questions and comments. Thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week. 